This is Hashtag Authentic, the podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode one. Hello and welcome. So maybe you are a little bit like me. I can be super guilty of letting whole days go by the only social interaction I get is online. I hang out on maybe WhatsApp or on Twitter, on Instagram, I talk to my friends over text message, but actually sitting opposite someone, looking them in the eye and having that real face-to-face conversation is something that is kind of a luxury in my life most of the time. But it's also obviously super important to us all as humans, however introverted we might be. And if you're someone who maybe finds that difficult, one of the best ways I have found to make time for it and to make those connections that really matter is through things like Instameets, workshops and retreats. I was lucky enough to be able to do both of those while I was over in Australia last month. And at the Instameet I held in Sydney, I got to meet this week's guest, Flo. What really struck me when I was chatting to Flo was just her intense enthusiasm and passion for these kind of gatherings, for workshops, for anything where you get a group of like-minded creatives into a room and the magic energy that can come about. Because workshops can be difficult, let's not kid ourselves, they are a really hard way to make money. By the time you've covered all your overheads and your hours and your travel and all the admin that comes from people needing to get there and figure everything out, you can quite often find you're not even making any return on your investment at all. And yet Flo persists in organising these incredible gatherings year after year because she is so committed to what happens there. Her energy and enthusiasm and positivity were so contagious I knew I had to get her on the show so you could hear her speak. And so she could inspire all of us to get out and attend these gatherings, to understand how much value for money they really represent and maybe to organise some of them ourselves. Hi Flo, welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Hi Sarah, it's so nice to hear your voice. Yours too and your beautiful accent. For people who haven't met you yet online, could you give us a quick introduction to what you do please? Um, Well, so my name is Flo, I'm French, I live in Sydney in Australia, I spend a few months a year in France and I'm a photographer and videographer and I specialise in filming people with projects, so it can be artists or a farmer or a cheese maker, making a special cheese, or uh, whoever has a, an interesting project. I'm really interested in, in showing their value, their story uh, through my images. So that's what I, I love to do. And it's quite new for me. Yeah, it is quite new for you, isn't it? So you and I met when we were in Sydney and we held an Instameet together. And you were talking to me a little bit about your journey. Could you share some of that? Yes, I uh, started uh, in life as a salesperson. I did studies in economy and quickly I wanted to work by myself. And so what I did is I, you know, I've traveled quite a lot in my life and I found myself one year alone in Athens. I lived in Athens for two years. And the only thing I could do there is to talk to people because I had nothing else to do. And I discovered knitting because I was talking to this old lady who taught me how to knit. And I started the first French knitting website because I was also a geek. (laughs) And I loved computers. And it was in 99. So in France, basically, there was nothing about leisure or anything to do with something that wasn't very serious. 
on uh, on internet so and I thought that's such a cool tool if I want to because I was just learning and I thought there's nothing for me I'm in Athens I can't buy books where can I find information so I should share everything I learn on there so I started my business doing that and it became the first portal about textiles and textile textile crafts in in French speaking countries and I, I thought I'd start my little store on there. So I started to sell spinning wheels, weaving looms, knitting yarns. And uh, I've been doing that for, yeah, since 2004. Um, so I'm an old dinosaur of the web. <laughs> Likewise. Um, <laughs> so this is, this is what I started to do. And one um, at one stage in my uh, life, I thought that, I was very attracted by visual material, especially photography, but I was really bad at it, really bad. <laughs> and I love taking photos of food, but it always looked like dog vomit. <laughs> and so I decided to take an online course to learn a bit more about photography because I wanted to promote my products on the shop a bit better. And also I launched my a newsletter talking about textile artists and I wanted to take photos of them, photos of their work a bit better than what they did because <laughs> uh, some of them had marvellous photos and some of them had marvellous work but not that good photos. So mm. I really wanted to do that and this is how I got to, to photography basically and I became more and more interested in the photography and less and less into my little shop <laughs> um, and this is the transition and I think the key for me uh, this stage was to attend a workshop because I thought it was very passive learning to learn all the new the new stuff I was learning about photography online. It's very practical when you're a mother. I've got three kids and I could just stop and go all the time with the, these courses, uh, which is much harder when you go to the proper class. So this is super practical, but you feel very lonely doing that mm. and you don't have anyone to share your progress with or you know learn more by just the interaction with others so I decided to go to a workshop and it changed my life I loved it I love the fact that I could talk to people because you know having an e-store is very isolating yeah I worked from home um, and then I had to take care of my kids so I couldn't socialize that much so I, I felt very lonely so the, the, the first workshop I took was actually a, a, a small workshop in textile. And I loved it. I thought, oh, my God, I'm not the only one liking macrame. <laughs> and it was a long time ago. Macrame was not fashionable. And it was really good. And then when I went to the first photography workshop in Australia, I loved it. I thought, oh, my God, all these people like the same thing as me. I, I would love to do that. I would love to learn more and be like them. And it's funny because when I, you're on Instagram, which I, I was not, I, I'm a very late person on Instagram, and I felt like every time I saw someone who did something that I wanted to do, I felt diminished. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, this person is doing it so well. Where is my, you know, where is my role in that? I can't, I can't do that. So the workshop is very different because you, when you see a real person doing a real thing that you think wow you don't feel that way strangely you know you feel oh wow that gives me hope you know it's the reverse psychology I don't know that's interesting it gives me hope. I want to it's a very real person it's not a 
an image so that I can't reach. It's a real normal person. I remember Xanthi, who is a mutual friend of ours, Xanthi Berkeley, we both love. She once said to me that part of the power of a workshop is people see that you're not doing anything different to them. So like, so I was doing maybe a styling and photography for Instagram workshop. And I was kind of worrying, saying, I don't think I do anything that special. And she was like, that's what people want to see sometimes is just that they're doing the right things and they're already on the right track and they just need to keep going. Yeah, I I totally agree with Xanthi. And I, I think that, so Xanthi is one of another step for me because when I had gone to all these workshops, I went to three different workshops in photography in Australia. And one after another, I got more and more passionate. And it was really a life-changing moment for me because I suddenly felt that people were normal, as some people would put it, and doing normal things. And also that I could also do that. Like I could change. I could be less lonely. I could do – because also my my shop is in France and, you know, I work with French clients – and if I talk about artists, I talk about artists all around the world, but to a French audience. So I had to work French hours and ah, um, yeah. and had couldn't go around and meet people I knew, have gatherings in Sydney about my beautiful article about this <laughs> person doing crochet or something. Not at all. I was all, always alone. So this was a revealing thing. So I decided that video was fantastic because I was following Xanthi, like everyone else on Instagram. <laughs> And I discovered her e-course and her e-course is very personal. She sits down in her sofa with a cup of tea and she talks to you and she says, hello, my lovelies. And she is, she's uh, delightful. And I learned so much as well because it's, it's not only nice, it's actually very powerful tools of education and, and learning. And when I met people like that online, I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to have Xanthi in my home in France because I've got room there. My parents have a a, a nice home with a a little farm attached with lots of bedrooms and beds. And I thought, imagine meeting Xanthi. So I wrote to her asking if she would be interested. And she said yes. And I couldn't (laughs) believe it because she was like an absolute star to me. So I, I was completely expecting her to say oh, you know, not really, you know, you're too small, you don't have enough followers on Instagram or something like that. But she said, yes, absolutely, I want to do it. How interesting. So, yeah, she she was another big step for me. And, and then because she said yes, I, I asked other people and they said yes too. And that became real, very real. And I thought, oh, God, what have I done <laughs> I <have> to organize <laughs> it? <laughs> and so you have, you have organized it. So I have, I have organized it. I, I called my parents and I said, look, guys, do you mind if we have 25 people in the house? I don't know these people personally. I've never met them. And you probably have to go somewhere else because <laughs> I was going to be busy. And um, so I asked mom if she could stay and she wouldn't join and dad to leave because I didn't want him to bust us around. <laughs> so... <laughs> And and they said yes, and they trusted me, which is a big thing because it's Huge. their home, you know. They could imagine yeah. that invite thieves or you know, people yeah. ruin their beautiful house. But they said no, that's good, that's great, absolutely do it. So I started to get organized, uh, make budgets, try to picture it, and it was difficult because I was in Australia at the time, so I couldn't go into the the house 
and check the state of the farmhouse, for example, where my parents hadn't set foot in 30 years. I thought, oh, that's going to be cool. We just put new beds and it's, you know. <laughs> uh, it was not that simple. Uh, it was full of spider webs that I, I forgot how sticky those are. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's terrible. And so I took a month to actually refurbish completely the, the farmhouse all by myself. Oh, my goodness. And all these people arrived by a little bus that I rented, and it was fantastic. It was um, like a sort of creative bubble, if you see what I mean. Yeah, kind of cut off from everything else. Yeah, and I think that it's very different when it's a home, when it's not a rented venue or a hotel, because I, I was welcoming these potential friends to my home. So uh, it, there was something... An, of an immediate friendship it's very strange sounds so tacky but you see what I mean like it was just we were here to learn to share to possibly network if there was connections or and to enjoy this the place as well Uh, because I find my home pretty boring because you know I was born in there so it's nothing special to me but for people coming from all around the world we had 10 nationalities in (sighs) 12 in uh, well more than 24 people in the whole uh, house that's that's a lot yeah (laughs) a lot of languages yeah coming from bulgaria from finland from germany from spain from canada the u.s the uk everywhere and so that was so interesting that because we were here all for the same reason we just had this massive connection it's not like going on holidays with you know uh, to the club med or something and you sit down by the pool and you chat with your you know deck chair neighbor um it's it's not like that you know we're all here people have paid money um a lot of money because it's expensive to organize these things you have yeah. to pay all these teachers you've got to pay for the bus you've got to feed everybody you've got to feed everyone <laughs> and you you want to do this in a fair way you um, I, you know, I find it very difficult when uh, when it's a bit dodgy in workshops. I think that everyone, I mean, people can contribute and at the last minute and come and help or something. That's that's all right. But um, the structure has to be quite businesslike, I think. That's something you and I have talked about. And actually, it's a conversation I've had with a lot of creative business owners probably over the last sort of 12 months. And I know Beth Kirby actually touched on it on one of her podcast episodes recently, that workshops have an awful lot of value, but they are a very difficult way to make money. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I've heard, I have heard Beth talk about it and I was laughing. When, when I organized my first workshop, which was last year, I didn't intend to make money because I thought, look, it's a test. For me, it's more of a first, it's, it's a project. Mm. If it works really well, then I might, you know, keep on doing it. If it doesn't, it's okay. I would have met really cool people and that, that's the end of it and a lot of workshops are like that it's one or two times and it stops because it's a lot of work and it's a lot more work that you you would think on the money side of things what happened to me was I lost a lot of money oh. it was worse than I thought because there was a, a lot of things that needed to be fixed uh, in my parents house like I'll give you a, an example the hot water system where the students were supposed to sleep didn't work oh no so, and it did work the last time I checked you know like but when I pushed the door coming from Australia all rosy cheeked and thinking cool you know I just 
thought, why don't I have a shower? I can take a shower <laughs> just to try. Well, it didn't work. So I thought I cannot have these people paying this amount of money coming to my home, being welcomed like that. I had to change it. And I couldn't ask my parents to pay for that. I was my project. So I was on me. And uh, I won't describe you the list of things that were on me. And it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, a beginner's story, I think. On, I think workshops are not made to make money. I think they are a fabulous way to take a massive action, a massive creative boost mm. in your own life as an organizer. It's a networking uh, tool. Amazing, because what you do when you organize a workshop is basically go to see all the people that you like and ask them to come. Like it's your dream workshop that you just organized and you organize it the way you want. In my case, I wanted very, very small groups of three to four people per teacher. I didn't want anyone else in these groups because I thought I've been to workshops which were fabulous, by the way, but I thought that could be improved where... You had to queue, basically, 12 people queuing one after another in front of a scene or a, a style yeah. vignette. Yes. And I thought, oh, my God. I, and, and you feel when you arrive, it's your turn and you're a beginner like I was. When I arrived in front of the queue, um, basically, I got completely in a state of panic thinking <laughs> of all these people waiting behind me. Oh, yeah, stage fright. Yeah, not knowing how to you know, use my camera because obviously I was a big beginner and I didn't know how to do manual settings and it was very difficult. So I, I thought um, if I do it, I want people to be very close to the teacher. Uh, a one-on-one -on -one is really too much. I mean, it would be extremely costly. But to have three people, it's fabulous because it's really easy for the teacher to gauge the level of each of them and adapt to each of them very easily. When you have 12 people in front of you, you can't do that. Yes, definitely. Um, and you can do a lot more. Uh, for example, this year we're going to have a fashion photographer who's going to come with her model from Paris, which I'm so oh, wow. excited about. <laughs> and it's it's so much fun because it's a portrait is so important in any business. If you sell shoes, if you sell ceramics, you need to take human beings. You need to humanize your brand. And taking photos of people or self-portraits is one of the most difficult things. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to learn that. And the fact that it's small groups allows the, the photographer, uh, Lucie Sassiache, the French photographer, uh, to actually make three different scenes. So instead of one where everyone has to queue, you can do a lot more. So this is the thing that you've got to think. You've got to think of all the business part of things not losing too much money, basically, and still having top-notch teachers and the the organization to put yourself in the shoes of the student or, you know, guests. <laughs> I think this is what this is what I really picked up when, when we talked in Sydney, like the passion you have for workshops, for workshops like as a teaching tool, as a networking tool, I mean, a lot of people I speak to now are quite jaded from their workshop running experiences. But for you, it just seems to be, it's like your calling. Yeah, I love it. I love it because it pulled me out of my misery. <laughs> I was in my couch working 18 hours a day and not making that much money. I mean, if I, was, I had been a, a plumber or a cleaning lady or, 
you know, the lady at the post office, I would have made so much more money with the hours I did. Yeah. And and so I thought if I'm not making, you know, that much money, why don't I do something that really makes me dream and makes me want to go forward? My my job uh, in textile has always been something of a passion, you know. It's not like I, I worked at the post office, but... I really wanted to change at one stage. And this, this is what workshop did to me. So when I realized that in my guts, <laughs> I thought, I really want to share that with others. And every time I met a creative, I thought, well, why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? <laughs> and, you know, so that's why. That's why I thought, why don't I do this and see how it goes? For anyone listening then who maybe wants to have a go at running workshops maybe and maybe not such a huge thing but maybe they were going to just do an afternoon what advice have you got that you've learned about how to even structure that because we were saying earlier just at the start of this call actually that it's not you're not born the skills to run creative workshops and there's no guidebook you can't pick it up and learn how to do it yeah, that's right. And it's it's a bit daunting when you start. The good thing is that I've been a businesswoman for many years, so I've got an idea of, of um, you know, risks and costs and budgets and things like that. That didn't prevent me from making a big loss <laughs> because I didn't buy a lot of things. But, but I, and I'm, and I, I, I want to be clear on that. I, I really am happy that I made this big loss because I covered it by work that I got after the workshop. Probably because of the workshop, because people heard about me, yeah. Because of what I did, and uh, the community that I created about around my little brand became quite strong, and I got lots of work from word of mouth. So, my advice would be to start with to take the thing of the the project of the workshop as a business, because it is, uh, even if it's a passion, even if it's a project, as any project, it has a business side. So the first business uh, step is to establish a budget. So I would take an, um, an Excel spreadsheet and I would put everything that crosses my mind from the roll of toilet paper <laughs> to the price of a teacher and, and their plane ticket, but also their train ticket and also their taxi if you need to, their everything, every little detail. The food is difficult. It's hard to evaluate 25 people in a house for five days. But you've got to do it. You've got to look it up. You've got to talk to people. Maybe a caterer who could help you. Maybe me. Just send me a, bit, a message on Instagram. Wine. I mean, every little detail and the little gift you're going to put, the shampoo you're going to put in the shower, everything. You cannot miss anything because it's the little things, like in any business, it's the little thing that make great uh, lines on the budgets when they're all added together so that's the first part the second part is um, I've made a few mistakes and I probably should share with others uh, one of the important part is to when you promote your workshop on your website on your blog you've got to have a clear page clear selling page my page on my web website which I haven't changed but I should it's more of a blog post, like it's beautiful photos and blah, blah, blah about how beautiful my workshop is. I think when you sell a workshop, you, know, you need to sell it as a product. Mm. Um, it needs to be clear at the top how many people, how many spots you have available, uh, what the dates are, where it is, etc. And then a call to action. This is how much it's going to cost and buy it now, basically. Yes. But because it was such a private project of mine, 
and a sort of not my business you know I didn't take it as my business at all yeah I was a bit ashamed to ask people for money you see what I mean I was like oh that looks like so much money <laughs> oh it's so hard to ask you for money so I put at the bottom if you want to pay for it just contact <laughs> me you know? and that made the, the the result is that people say, oh, I'd love to do that. Instead of booking, they'll say, oh, I'm going to think about it. And mm-hmm. then they miss the train, you know. And then um, they come back to you and say, oh, my God, I didn't do it. Um, you know, or, or sometimes they tell you, oh, I really want to do it. Please book my spot. And you book the spot. And then they, they forget about it because yeah. they haven't paid. So, so this whole thing of you know managing the how do you how would you say in english subscription or um you know payment or yeah it's just very difficult i find and i should have treated as a business so that's another advice that i would give call to action very important have a clear page uh the third is that people will write to you whether they want to attend the workshop or just want to talk to you so they were gonna all year long talk about the workshop and say oh how fantastic is the workshop so when is it going to take place what food are you catering for vegan or you know like which we do happily but ask a lot of questions and they will never subscribe they will never actually buy the workshop or people yeah the admin the admin that comes from running something like this yeah that's it. So lots of emails, lots of people cancel. People have um, an accident, unfortunately, and they cancel. So you think, oh, that's cool. My workshop has been sold out in three days. But it's not because four months later, five months later, <laughs> you've got to have like four cancellations because someone has a wedding, someone has a, a kid who had an accident. I mean, like life is tough. Things happen. So you have to keep your mind clear and keep on selling to the last minute and keep in mind that people can cancel the day before and so when you do that you've got to ask for the money which I didn't I said oh deposit and then people say oh yeah but I can't really this month so next month so I said oh cool no problem oh, you're too nice <laughs> but then cancel. so um, you've got to take it as a business you know that's it um, which I didn't um, <laughs> I remember talking to um, Fiona the brand stylist she does uh, workshops in I think she does them in Spain and she was talking about the whole nightmare she went through of finding the right kind of insurance so in case she was sick or couldn't fly over to run it she was finding insurance policies that would uh, kind of reimburse people etc and and just all those sorts of things that you don't even think about that you have to start thinking about when you when you run something like this yeah absolutely the insurance part is is very important uh, um, for cancellations but also for accidents you know if there's an accident in the house or there's all that so yes it's really um, a little business that you run and just five days Uh, the other thing that I probably should point out is that if you do it for five days it's going to take you months of preparation you're going to have to um, physically arrive in advance especially if it's a place your house or someone else's or some private house which is one of my at the moment it's one of my goals is to do workshop in homes in people's places because I think it has a, a feel to it that a hotel will never have or yeah. a venue will never have um, the sense of home the sense of, of nurturing I don't know for me it's very very important but if you do do that uh, it means that you're going to have to come at least two weeks in advance or sometimes 
a month, like last year for me. So this is sometimes. Also, when you finish, you're knackered. You're like, yes. knackered. You've put all your guts, all your love into it. So it's hard to work out of that. Yeah, you need time to refill. Yeah. And for a few weeks, you will be off work. So that's to be added to your budget <laughs> because all that time of preparation, all these times you have to answer people, all these times you organize a payment system, a blog post, all that is not paid. Uh, so in, if you don't make money, it adds up. So that's to be considered and it's a, a sacrifice that you have to be willing to, to make. I, think. I feel like yeah, we... As more and more people kind of realize all of these these realities of workshops, we're seeing less and less of them available. I mean, Beth is a great example. She's talked about how she's going to be doing fewer workshops and it's going to be more about a networking and a lovely thing to do than it is part of her business money-making model. So what would you say, people listening to this who are on the fence about whether they're ready to attend a workshop or whether it's a big investment, as we've said, like what can people gain from spending that money and joining in now while, while these things are still going on? If I'm still doing it, <laughs> it's because it's awesome. Last year, I, I lost three months of work. I lost money and I'm still doing it this year. And the reason why is that basically I have met amazing people like Xanthi, for example, like Lean, Tims, who's a fantastic uh, travel photographer. I've met, I mean, I knew Annabelle Hickson, who's a, a, a I love Annabelle. You know, journalist. She's a flashy. She's you know, like a florist. She's a, she's everything. a farmer. She's a journalist. She's a writer. And, you know, meeting with these people, uh, and, and also I forgot uh, Megan um, Faulkner. So Megan yeah. is 19 years old when I told her to come. That was a bit gutsy of me. <laughs> Because, and I told her, my God, that was a bit of a gamble. You could have been like a nasty brat, I don't know. But she was, uh, and she had never traveled outside her state in America, not even America, outside America, but not even within her own region. Wow. And, and she, was, she was a tiny little girl, fragile and so lovely. She's like a little Mozart. Like she's so talented and fragile and so precocious. I thought it is a risk in 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 you know her coming because she might hate it. She might not know how to teach. She's very young, but it was the best gamble ever. She was fabulous. And these people that you meet making these gambles, because some of the people that I I select as teachers for my workshops. And uh, I don't know at all. I just think, okay, I think that by reading these pe- people's <laughs> Instagram <laughs> or, or website, um, they seem amazing. Let's let's check it out. <laughs> so this is something that you can't do in normal life. You can't just contact uh, Petrina Tinsey, uh, who's Nigella Lawson's photographer, uh, say, oh, well, let's, let's go have a tea and can you teach me this and that. <laughs> you can't do that. You know? You've got to. So my only way to to make this sort of amazing creative bubble that I select all by myself, nobody does it for me. Nobody chooses what who I'm going to learn from. So this is exceptional, exceptional. And then these people can, you know, be um, ready to collaborate with you. They can start a business with you. They can, you know, we can do so much together. And that's the teacher's part of things. But the students are 
awesome. You know, it's not your average guy at the club med walking by the pool in your holidays. No, it's someone who paid a lot of money to be here, who's very keen uh, to learn, who's very keen to make something out of, of this, you know, for their business, for their project, for their art. So we've got artists, got bloggers, journalists, you know, photographers, videographers, all these people that you couldn't really meet in the street. You've got to put them together in a sort of school camp atmosphere, boarding <laughs> school. And, you know, this, the fact that we can't have one in, in some workshops, you, you have dormitories, you know. Like, yeah. it, it creates bonds, like I can tell you what, because at 40, I'm 42, having to sleep in, in some, uh, one else's room, it's quite daunting. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think everyone does. Everyone like, oh, my God, you don't have a single room. And I'm like, no sorry so we do have single rooms there but in in burgundy and i do one one workshop in paros in, in greece as well this year in september and there too there are you know places rooms where you have two beds and somewhere you have one so people jump on the one bed <laughs> and the, and of course the people who you know are, i don't think it's a question of age it's a question of you know, habits. You don't. We haven't slept in the same room. We've all got quite bad at this in general. I think. Like, I love the internet for this, but it's a double-edged sword in that you don't have to go out and meet people. You can do all of that networking and hanging out online and feel like you've kind of scratched that itch and you've had your social fix. Yeah. So we're not put in those slightly more awkward positions of just sitting next to a stranger at dinner or yeah, sharing a bedroom with someone who you only really superficially know. But you do gain such a lot from it. And even just when you and I did the Instameet with Abby in Sydney, I think pretty much everyone I spoke to there had never come to something like that before. They'd never met like-minded people in Sydney from Instagram. And, you know, this this community formed in that room just in the space of a couple of hours. People were swapping email addresses and usernames and arranging to meet up. So if that can happen in two hours, I, I can only imagine what happens when people are in the same space for five days exactly in five days it's crazy it's as i said it's uh, like-minded people so you don't feel like you're being judged so people are going to jump on the table and take millions of photos you don't feel like you know people are going to look at you what are you doing <laughs> taking photos of your table you know everybody's doing weird stuff and swapping lenses and, and nobody's really judging and it's awesome and also we're all into this thing where it's self-soothing, beauty-seeking, basically. So we're all doing everything we can together as a team on the teacher's side of things to create this atmosphere where people see beauty. We take them in the park on my mum's garden, Rose Garden, and go there and, and try to get the best image out of that. And this is soothing. This is, I don't know, it gives you self-confidence yes uh, because you just see everybody doing it so you're like oh why not me no it's cool it's also it gives you this need to go seek for something better and that can be a sort of metaphor for your life if if you open your eyes and look around you and see the images and the beauty around you it's a huge psychological step you know when you go home you've changed it's yes. a life-changing yes thing, you know so I think there's not only the learning like technical stuff not only the networking but there's also this sort of 
self-help kind of thing. Yeah. Because when you decide to invest in yourself, I mean, with this kind of money, you could buy, a, I don't know, like, I don't know how many pairs of shoes I haven't bought. Them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could buy like a, something for you. Like you could consume something, material stuff. But if you buy something, knowledge, you know, it's, it's something really different. And when you see that all these people around you sitting at this table have bought the knowledge and they want to progress, they want to see the beauty with you, it's very powerful. And I think when you go home, you cannot not be changed, basically. I hope it's answering your questions, Ari, about why people should do it. It is. No, it really is. I think I think anyone listening is going to be picking up on that passion I mentioned that you have for this. It, it, it mirrors my experience of, of running smaller workshops, kind of afternoon workshops. After you and I met in Sydney, I went to Orange as part of my open kitchen and Again, the same thing, just kind of the permission you get when you're in a room full of other people who care about the same things as you and to take the time to arrange the table beautifully or to put the flowers in the window and take a photograph or whatever it is that you want to do. As someone, I came from that life where there was nobody around me who cared about that stuff. My family still think it's utterly ridiculous that I care about that stuff. So if (laughs) if you're isolated and you're just the one person trying to find the courage to make those moments or those creative leaps on your own the power and the permission you get from being in a room of other people who care and prioritize it in the same way it really is game changing yeah I think so and also there's something about you know passive action and active action Uh, when we do our stuff by ourselves and especially when we on Instagram I find there's a lot of passive stuff going on we passively watch what other people do we passively want a lot of stuff for us. So we buy books about self-help and, mm. and how to, you know, and it's, it's so good. I love them. And we stay into this state of receiving and hoping. And it's very passive. You think, one day I'll do that. Yes. One day I'll invest in myself. One day t- tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow I'll do this. Um, uh, tomorrow I will start a business. Or tomorrow I'll get better at photography. Tomorrow I'll buy an e-course. And you do buy the e-course, but you don't really follow it to the end. Yes. And if you do, you don't really do the exercise that the the person is asking you to. So at the end of the uh, most e-courses, you've got exercise. And you really need to do it because if you don't, you don't really get into the depth of things. Yeah. And people just consume quite passively all this. A workshop is active action. So you decide to invest in yourself. You decide to spend that money. And you've got to make something out of it. You get out of there with your boots, your camera, and you just, you, you do it. You do it. You take photos. That thing you said about um, the e-course, one of the analogies I sometimes use with my students is it's a little bit like buying a Keep Fit DVD, like a workout DVD, and then putting it in your player and sitting on your sofa and watching it all the way through, <laughs> but not moving your bum. <laughs> versus what you're describing is going to a class where everybody else is doing it and it's you've got to join in you can't be the one at the back that's just watching you've got to join in if you're in a workshop or a class environment yeah that's exactly I love this it's so good it's like the gym membership you know you buy it you feel so guilty because you never go it's awful yeah (laughs) that's exactly right so workshop is a bit of a kick in the butt you know like you're gonna you put your credit card it hurts and I I really understand that because I've, I've been to many workshops and and it's 
but once you've done it, gosh, you believe in yourself. You know, like, that's it. Yeah. I've invested in me. And it's a me time that I'm going to take. And this investment will yield. And it will. And it's funny because what made me, the other thing that I've forgotten, what made me do it again, and that could be for people who, like Beth, thinking, oh, damn, you know, I don't want to do that again. So much work, not getting any money out of it. But what I loved is that all the people from last year, all the students from last year, the 12 of them, they, I've kept in touch with all of them and very regularly and some of them on a weekly basis and we talk about their business and it's really a powerful um, connection that we've built and these people have done things since like they've actually evolved and um, I'm thinking of one of them Anushka and she's a fantastic girl she's an artist she's a mosaicist I don't know she makes mosaics uh-huh. and she uh, makes bouquets as well she's fabulous at making beautiful bouquets and since the workshops she's organized her own workshops for bouquet making in Switzerland and she's now building her business in ceramics she's creating a new website and she's into it she's believing in herself that's it you know she's launched (laughs) and I love her story and and that's fabulous so I feel like as well as that sales page that you've promised that you're going to go away and make um for your workshops I I would love to see this follow-up of kind of maybe a couple of interviews with people from previous previous years and what what they're doing now what's happened for them since because I think that would be a really fascinating thing to look at but also for anyone kind of on the fence about whether they should be investing in themselves in this way kind of a really clear way of seeing what you can get from it yeah it's a good idea you know I'm I'm building a new website for my photography and my videography because I didn't have one all my work comes from Instagram and and then word of mouth from these clients from Instagram so I just was in a very passive action there <laughs> I decided to do, to do a sort of barter on Instagram of um, a, a beautiful video against the website a video you know visual portfolio with photos and etc and, and there's this beautiful girl who's doing my website at the moment she said why don't you have testimonies and you yeah. know yeah <laughs> all the things that we should be doing so if people are listening to this and they want to maybe join you in one of these workshops you have a couple of spots left on the two that for this year is that right yes exactly so I've got a couple of spots left on burgundy because people have cancelled <laughs> and so I have to well they have to find someone to replace them and it's the same for Greece uh, Greece is going to take place on the little island of Paros and this is a beautiful villa and you know the funny part is that the villa belongs to a student from last year his burgundy workshop (laughs) so when she attended she loved it and she said I want that in my house she showed us photos of her house we were like oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) I want to come you've got me hooked on this now (laughs) she's got a villa just on the beach and with little, you know, these little white houses oh, yeah. and bougainville and all these beautiful plants. She's got her veggie patch. She makes her own olive oil and chutneys and lots of things. So, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun and lots of brilliant people. Such in Tim's, Kim Klassen as well is coming. Oh, I love Kim. Uh, and Kim, yeah, she's so excited. <laughs> love it. And uh, no, we, and Zanki's coming too. Um, we've got a girl called Karen, um, and she's going to do 
flowers as well and all the, the styling. That is going to be a good workshop. So basically, for these two workshops, we still have spots left. A lot of people said they're interested in checking you know, with their family, so I'm not sure what yeah we've probably got a few weeks till this goes out so what I will do is in the show notes I will link directly to do you have a checkout page now have you done that (laughs) no because I'm waiting for this new website you know as Uh I was saying you always wait for tomorrow I'm going to talk to you about Um, this when we finish this call but um I will link to wherever they need to get in touch with you at anyway and they can hopefully see if there's still some space available um, and people can contact me on Instagram. And yes, DM I was going to say, Instagram. where else? Where else can they find you? So I've got a blog called The Flow Show. Love it. <laughs> so it's theflowshow.com. And my Instagram is The Flow Show. So it's T H E dot F L O dot show. And so, yeah, people can contact me and they can contact me about the coming workshop. And, and you know their spots but also if they want to have their own workshops they can contact me there they have questions I'm really happy to share my knowledge I really believe in sorority in community in helping each other I strongly strongly believe in that um, the other thing is I've got on my blog flow show I've got a list of all the workshops happening in 2018 and I'm going to do the same next year so now all the workshop people starting to know me because of this and I love it. So we exchange ideas and stuff because I can, you know, have con- direct contact with them now that I've got this list. So all the could be, I don't know, uh, photography workshops, but it could be also food, cooking workshops, could be self-help oh, workshops. Just all the wonderful workshops work- around the world. Yeah. So they're all listed out there. <laughs> You're so generous. You are such a generous spirit and it has been so joyful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. It was such a pleasure to talk to you directly because I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I usually have you in my earbuds <laughs> in, in very private moments in my car, in my bathroom. <laughs> so it's so nice to talk to you like that. I loved it. Thank well, you now you will be in everyone's car and bathroom too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Show notes for this week's episode are at meandola.co.uk forward slash podcast 47. And I know at time of recording, if you're listening to this as it goes out, there are still a couple of slots left in the workshops that Flow mentioned in particular. I would love to hear from you, your experiences, that maybe this episode has reminded you of, or any response to any of the backpack blog. You can tweet me at me and Orla, or find me on Instagram where I'm at me and Orla with underscores in between each of those words. I will be back next week with another new episode and I hope you have a good one.